What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of For the Love of Cinema, a movie podcast where our motto is we just hope it doesn't suck. This episode 318 broken up into two parts, A and B. B? A? Thank you. Thank you, thank you. 318A, posting on 221, will be a discussion on the latest adventure of Mike Lane in the form of Magic Mike's Last Dance. And 318B, posting on 224, will be a discussion on the Academy, sorry, the many Academy Award nominated Tar with Kate Blanchett. I am one of your hosts, Grayson, Magic Mike (laughs) Maxwell. Joining me as does every week is my co-host, Roger, the zombie apocalypse of sexually repressed desire stallion. (laughs) I agree with mine. Yours is not. No. no, Fair. Okay. Okay. Chris will not be joining us this week, Roger. We are going again, just the two of us. How does that make you feel? He's still watching Magic Mike on repeat. Who is? Chris. That's why he's not here. Oh, uh, yeah. I I can see that. All three of them in a a row on on repeat. Yes. Over and over again. He has quit his job, and he's just watching Magic Mike. All the pelvic thrusting, all the sweating, all the gyrating. Over and over again. Yep. All of it. So what's going on this week, my friend? How are you? How's the weather uh, up there? I don't know. One day it was 70, then the next day it snowed, and then it's like 60 again today. I don't know. We're, the earth is dying. I'm sure I, of it. <laughs> <laughs> I have, uh, I've, I've heard that from people, and I know my brother is having, he said he's having one of the worst sinus headaches of his life because the pressure keeps changing. Oh, yeah. And, it's trash, bro. <laughs> oh, dude, it's terrible. And that, down here is, is, so I went to work on Friday. Friday okay. morning, I mean, it It was very, very agreeable, like 65, it almost felt like 70, like absolutely just no jacket required, just walking, you know. Yeah, just put it, can't you know. ask for much better than that in February. And I came out and it was 34 degrees. Yeah, no, that's, yeah. Like that's what right. is, like, the the world is, I told you, the, 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 the middle of the earth is slowing down. Yep. <laughs> I don't know what's going on there, but it is, the weather is is being wacky wackadoo everywhere so wackadoo wackadoo i don't know what to make of that but i thankfully have not been i don't think i've been i mean i can feel my i can feel myself getting the sinus headache but i don't have it yet so i'm very grateful because that always comes in spring it every year without fail in spring yeah so all the time don't 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 you get that uh i mean i usually don't have sinus problems but the older i get the the more susceptible i seem to be honestly since i had covid over the summer last summer (laughs) um i'm more in tune for things like that but you know is what it is i guess it's the worst part of life feels like your head is stuck in a vice and you can't hear anything you can't it just i always love it because i walk in the studio back well whenever i'm home and you're always wearing glasses that's how i know you're sick is when you're wearing like you have a different pair of glasses that you wear when you're sick don't 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 you or am i just imagining things you're insane Okay, I'm insane. I was I would have sworn you had a different pair of glasses when you're sick. Um, all right. So what else is going on this week? Hmm. I don't not a whole lot. First weekend without football. That's, you know, depressing. If well, like I mean, hold on a second. Football. You may be without football, but I wanna state just how excited at least I am by saying something. He's here, he's there, he's every fucking rare. Roy Kent. Yeah. <laughs> what does that mean, Roger? Tell me. Ted Lasso is returning soon. <laughs> oh, dude. March little, 15th. A little, little less than a month away. <laughs> I am so excited. I've, I started watching. I'm doing an episode a day just to kind of get back into it. But man, I just, God, that show is so good. And I'm noticing, I haven't watched season two twice. Just, or sorry, season one twice. Just season two I watched twice. Mm-hmm. But I'm noticing things even from the get-go 
that I didn't notice before because I know how certain characters, their arc, you know, the direction in which yep. it goes. And yeah. I've seen certain things that, that implemented early that I'm like, God, that's so fucking brilliant, man. Mm-hmm. Especially like the clothes they wear and the shirts they wear. It would, because where it just, man, I, I'm just, I'm falling in love with Ted Lasso all over again. And I didn't think that was possible. Mm-hmm. So I am, I'm just, I'm very excited for where we are going with Ted Lasso. I hope season three is not the last season, but that may just me, that might just be me being selfish because I love it. I don't want it to outstay its welcome and like, but I know they won a ton of Emmys. So yep, they keep doing it. Lots and lots of them. If we can get out another season or two, because then the original, the the original uh, show arc was only supposed to be three seasons. Yep. And uh, if we get a few more seasons, I won't be disappointed as long as there's story to tell. That's you know that's no, my whole and thing. They're, like I'm, they're not rushed by you know regular season time frames, so they can come and go as they please. They want to make uh you know ten episodes a year. That's fine by me. I, yeah, I agree. You know that's good. I'm, it's I'm easily one of the it. best things on. I mean, it's right. I mean, it's it's right up there with some of the best stuff produced in the last twenty years. I mean, if you needed a reason, solely a reason to have Apple TV, like that is enough in itself to be that. So. I would agree with you one hundred percent. And I mean, with the we've had some pretty decent stuff on Apple TV. You know what? I actually revisited this past week too that we forgot about Palmer. What's that, buddy? Palmer on Apple TV. Oh yeah, with uh, Jay Timberlake, Justin Timberlake, and that was. Yeah. I, that was a very good little movie that wasn't expensive, mm-hmm. and it's just it's a powerful story that you you, you proof you don't need. We're going to talk about a trailer later. It actually very very shortly, but that For is Apple just TV. <laughs> one of those. And also, I was talking about Fast Fast Ten, but no. the, his budget has to be just off the wall. Forty seven trillion dollars. <laughs> um, however, if you did see the um, if you did see the, I, I know I texted to you and Chris, but the uh, social media posting of. The new, this new Indiana Jones, uh, the Dial of Destiny, one of the most expensive movies ever produced. Yep. The the, the budget is above three hundred million dollars. Now, let me put let me put that in, in, into perspective. The the I don't think anyone would argue with the original three Indiana Jones being some of the better movies that we, as far as you know, igniting that kind of imagination and stuff with superhero kind of people that aren't superheroes but could be excellent in, in that genre. Yep. Oh yeah, excellent. Four, not so much. Kingdom of the me. Crystal Skull. I don't we'll see hate Crystal Skull like a lot of people do, but it's not on the level of the other three. I agree. But here's where things start to get a little muddy, too. Is So you can take $300 million and you can make what is probably an average at best, not going to be anywhere near the, the first three Indiana Jones movie, or you can make the entire Lord of the Rings trilogy again. <laughs> Let me Bro, just put that into perspective. You, you, over, you overshot that. You can make 100 Blumhouse films. <laughs> That's true. Plus, one hundred <laughs> plus. I mean, some of those are pretty tiny. Some of those first, some of those early ones are really small budgets. I mean, all all jokes aside, you could probably fund the Blumhouse production house for like three years with three hundred million dollars. Or you can make. I'm doing, I'm gonna do quick math right now because I, I just thought of this. I don't know. Well, Avengers sure. Endgame cost three hundred, didn't it? It did. Well, Endgame and the, um, what's a, Infinity War and Endgame were shot at once, and they were a combined budget of three hundred. Okay. So two of the highest grossing movies of all time shot together. <laughs> okay. Or you can get 400. Um, what's that movie watch on Amazon? The Vast Chris, of Night. The, you can get 400 Vast of Nights or one Indiana Jones movie. <laughs> uh, it's just such a, it's such a gamble. Again, but, though, all jokes aside, people, Vast of Night is an awesome movie. It's an excellent movie. It's a 10. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a 10. It, it's just if you have Amazon, you haven't seen it. If you are into that kind of slow buildup, 
uh, Twilight Zone kind of stuff. Man, yep. that's right in up black your and alley. white and everything. Hundred percent up your alley. Uh, you'll love it. But what else is going on, Roger? Well, how about you? Have, have you revisited any movies or checked out anything else this week? Or have you been busy? Uh, so movie wise, I was flipping through last night. I've had the whole weekend off, which was nice. So had a little bit of time. Went out. Uh, went out to dinner with my wife. We went and saw Magical Michael the Third, which is how I'll be referring to it the entire <laughs> time we talk about it. Um, but then we came home, and it wasn't super late. Like we went bowling, had a good time, had some drinks, and. Uh, Wrath of Man was on again, so of course I watched it because why wouldn't I watch Jason Statham just with incredible amounts of ownage, you know? Ah, damn, I love that movie. And I'm super pumped up because another Guy Ritchie Jason Statham movie's coming in just a couple of weeks or what, next week, two weeks from now, something like that. Um, so that's that's kind of nice. I'll be happy for that. And we got John Wick, which is can't John not too Wick's far away coming. either. Kind of the yeah. same genre. So I'm, I hear you, man. I... Oh boy! Speaking of that kind of, I just uh, nobody's one I watched this week too. Earlier in the week, always a good one to watch. Oh, for sure. Man, that movie is so good. Jeez Louise! Um, but yeah, I've, re- I've seen a ton. Um, yeah, what? I, you know, I, I did. I'm, I'm into those Sandler movies, and I watched Big Daddy last week. Was Waterboy? This week was Big Daddy. I wanted to kind of revisit that one. I'm telling you, those early Sandler comedies are just so good. They're they're good just stuff, man. Today it's just such a shame that the bar was once raised so high and it's just not been there since, but man, it's it just, I, I long for the time when people actually tried to make a good movie and tell a good story because it just doesn't seem like they do that anymore. But rain over comedy me is just totally different. It, it is. It, you know, everything evolves like, you know, comedy evolves like everything else. So I, I don't know. It's just, to me, it's just, we're kind of out of the golden age of comedy. Not that we were ever in it. Maybe some people would argue some, maybe some of the older generation would argue that, but I mean, oh, for speaking of interesting movies that I watched this week, I almost forgot um, one that had some Oscar buzz at the time. I watched Juno this morning. Oh, so yeah, I watched that not too long ago, maybe two or three weeks ago. Juno is a good movie, so it's not going to oh. be for everybody, but no, but J.K. Simmons. One of yes. my favorite lines in that movie is when he his daughter finally tells him, and then his, um, Juno's parents are talking, Alice and Janney and uh, J.K. Simmons. He goes, I'll tell you what. I see that Max kid. I'm going to punch him right in the wiener. <laughs> I see that Polly Bleeker kid next time. I'm going to punch him right in the wiener. Oh, yeah. Paul Bleeker. I said Matt. Yeah, Paul Bleeker. Definitely. Yeah. It's just that movie's underrated. And Jason mm-hmm. Bateman in that movie also is incredible. What is Jason Bateman bad in? Uh, nothing. Nothing. He's amazing. That's he's right. So good. <laughs> nothing. He's like, he is. I'm telling you, I think he's one of Hollywood's golden boys. He's, he's also just, a vampire. How do you figure that? He looks exactly the same as he did in Juno as he does <laughs> today. Yeah, even in some of the earlier stuff too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah, well, Roger, we have a show to do. This is episode 318 of For the Love of Cinema, a podcast about movies, film, and cinema. Was posted each and every Tuesday and Friday at 5 a.m. on Podbean, which then distributes to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music. Each and every week, we look at the box office, current and upcoming releases, what streaming trailers and movies of the week. But without further ado, let's jump into the box office and. As it is no surprise to anyone, Ant-Man and the Wasp, uh, 104 domestic. That's a hell of an opening, man, for something that's not Avengers. Telling you right now, Marvel still brings it. For for a worldwide of $357.3 million. Uh, But there's some divisiveness. Now, I mean, I know that I'm a week behind on movies. I I assume you have not seen Ant-Man yet either. I have not. I haven't watched a movie on release week for a while because of this show, so... Well, it's, but, it's been a uh, while. I, I hear, me, I hear mixed reactions from yeah, this movie. So. I hear extremely mixed 
people are saying, don't listen to the critics. This is great. But that's, I mean, that's the, the same broken record that people have been saying literally since I've been in middle school is don't listen to the critics. This movie's great. Well, and, I mean, always you know, watch a movie for yourself. So I agree. hundred, hundred percent, you know, take any, anything, even three idiots on a podcast, like us talking, take us <laughs> with the grain, with a grain of salt, because, you know, we don't, we live different lives. We have different, you know, viewpoints. It's just everything's an opinion anyway. So I mean, just last week, I gave a movie nominated for fourteen Oscars a three and a half. So <laughs> got that going for us. Something similar also, might happen this week too. Also, one of my favorite lines I ever heard from somebody who um, is a very famous radio person said, "Here's some advice: never take advice from some asshole on the radio." <laughs> <laughs> This is true. This is true. I love that line. Absolutely love that line. And I'm I, I actually do maintain that there's not there is film is way less subjective. Since I drew my line my line in the sand, I've gotten a lot of I had a lot of conversations with people this week from Pittsburgh that I, I'm close with about movie conversations, and they're like, "That's a bold statement, man." I, I'm I want to see where this goes. So I'm gonna just I'm gonna stick to that from going forward. Is film is nowhere near as subjective as we think it is, as, as most people will claim it is. Nowhere near it. So that's just kind of what I'm going to stay. But I mean, again, going back to if you want to watch a movie, then watch the damn movie. Don't let someone talk you out of it. Let someone talk you into it, but don't let someone talk you out of it. Because sure. that's, uh, if you're going to go, if you're going to air one way, air the air in the in the in the way that lets you have seen f- the movie first, and not. I mean, if you want to see something, see it. Just I mean, I know things are expensive, and everyone's got different financial situations, but you just watch watch the damn movie if you want to watch the damn movie. But Ant Man the Wasp proves it. Marvel still has the potential to make incredible amounts of money. And I'll bet you over the next few weeks, it's, I mean, I'll bet you that that gets close to, I don't think it hits the, I don't think it goes over the billion dollar mark. No, but I, it should cruise to 600 plus. <laughs> I, I would even say 750 probably isn't too far a stretch. No, probably not. We'll see where that one goes. Avatar, the way of water, holding strong at number two, bringing in only. 6.1 million. I've been saying that, but it's been bringing that for probably the last five weeks, you know, above five and below 15. Avatar The Way of Water bringing a worldwide of 2.24. So it's still steadily climbing, not at the rate it once was, but surely still taking those little ladder steps up. Uh, Magic Mike's Last Dance, number three. All the pelvic Magical gyrations. Michael the third. Magical Michael the third. All the pelvic thrusts, all the, all the gyrations, all of it comes into... Uh, it translates this week into a 5.4 million domestic showing up at the box office with a worldwide take total of 38.4. So almost 39 million. There you go. That's not too bad. Actually Puss in boots, very happy and proud to say that's still in the top five. Uh, Number four with 5.3 million bringing a worldwide of 423 million. I am happy about that because that movie is so good. And if you've not seen it, go watch it it's just let your inhibitions go and just have a good time in the theaters for an hour and a half, get some popcorn, get a drink and just enjoy it. Just enjoy Absolutely. it. Absolutely. and boots is a great movie. I and I, I'm, I bet you it becomes an Oscar winner. Well, we, do our little, so. we do our little pre Oscar checklist. I will be looking heavily at that for best animated. So I hope so. It, 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 just, it deserves it. It deserves it more than the Disney Pixar entry this this year i just nothing against disney pixar i just don't think it's as strong a story as puss in boots or what's the other one um uh, pinocchio del, del toro's pinocchio i mean that's I think, pretty good though so yeah they're, they're both fantastic all right number number five knock at the cabin m night Shyamalan's. uh he's adapting a book the coming of the four horse or the coming of the apocalypse by the four horsemen 
uh, 47 million worldwide, bringing in a probably somewhat disappointing 3.9 million, but the budget for that couldn't have been too big. Do we? I think it was only 20 million. Yeah, it's that's only 20 so. Million. Yeah, they've got to be somewhat in the in the in the profit margin by now. But good, I'm happy for movies overall. You know, someone someone asked me why we always state millions mm-hmm. in the in the weekly take is because I said, well, for a while after, after COVID there was like weeks, we like the top movie had earned like $150,000. We like did have multiple weeks <laughs> below $1 million earners. So like that's insane to me, but just to, to answer your question, uh, Lindsay, to answer your question, that is why we do, we, we specify millions, but all right, well, that's not much change in the box office hope, but I do want to mention that Titanic is number is this week. Number seven, Last week was number three. It is, it does show a worldwide of forty-eight point four million. So that's a wow. re-release for. I, I know that's more than I thought I was going to do. That's yeah, still I'm gonna, playing at our local AMC. Yeah, and same with here. I'm going to check it out because it's in 3D and it's in 4K. So I definitely want to. I definitely just want to see what's 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 new with it. I it's a movie I always enjoy watching. So I will be checking that out. Uh, Marlo, uh, of course, does, does, has done nothing. Uh, three less than three. <laughs> like I just. Whatever paycheck you got, Liam, enjoy it because the movie didn't re- didn't reflect that at all. Nope. Uh, Plane still <laughs> still doing okay at forty seven point eight million. So right. we got some news about Plane this week, didn't we, Grayson? Ooh, we did. What do we get? What news did we get? So they're working. They have greenlit a sequel for Plane. What's it called, Grayson? Ship. Ship. <laughs> Ship. Just S H I P, baby. Ship. Ship. Also, <laughs> I'm very much here for it. I agree with you. I really and hope that. I hope, listen, I hope we get a trilogy either called Car or Train. So, <laughs> I hope we get a train only because I'll take Mike Banning any way I can get him. Whether he's fighting off government agents or he's you know stopping things, stopping hi- terrorists from hijacking things, whatever. I'll take him any way I can get him. Yeah, sure. Gerard Butler, you're awesome, man. Keep doing Fine what you're doing, me. brother. Yeah, amen. So there's your box office. Not much of a. Not much of a change up there, but I, I don't think anyone's going to be expecting much of a change up. Let's look at some com- upcoming releases. The release schedule. So this past weekend, of course, big one for Marvel. Ant-Man, the Wasp, Quantumania did quite well, cleaned up. It, it effectively killed Marlowe and Titanic. So good for you. Uh, February 24th, Roger, we are T-minus less than a week until the release of Cocaine Bear. Yes. Jesus Revolution and Mummies. And then on, we have... Oh man, this is a weird one. March third, so Blueback, that movie we talked about last week, um, Creed three, and Operation Fortune Ruse de Guerre. That's yes. with Jason Statham. So that's the movie I was talking. Me and Grace were talking about that. Oh, that's um, that's the guy Richie. That's Statham the guy Richie movie. Yep. Nice. Okay, so those are there. I wish then, it wasn't going up against Creed though. Well, I do too because it's just going to get buried. But it is what it is. I'm sh- I'm gonna check those out. I'm gonna I'm really gonna make a better um a better effort to see more things in the theater because AMC A list really is a treasure, man. <laughs> and I don't. It is. It's it's three. I mean, you're paying twenty bucks a month. Me, I'm paying I think twenty three bucks a month. But three movies getting, a week, baby. You're getting twelve movies a month. You you really as far as movies are going, that's that's probably as good a value as you get outside the streaming services, and not even them because those are. Those are still super expensive. I mean, those are way more expensive than they once were. So yeah, I mean, you're getting to watch a movie in a theater for basically two bucks a trip. So yeah, it's pretty good. It's not not bad. March 10th, 65, Scream Six and Champions. Now, have you seen the trailer for Champions with Woody Harrelson? Yes. 
Yes, I have. Give me your quick, you know, just from the trailer. What are you, uh, what are you thinking about that one? I bet it's awful. (laughs) I don't think it's going to be awful, but I just, it's going to get buried again. It's, it's coming out of time when people are doing things outside and they're, you know, you know, they're seeing Ant-Man and Creed three and scream six. And then the next week Shazam, I just, it's, it's, it's going to get buried. There's nothing more I can say about it, except it's just not going to make any money. But that may not be attributed to the fact that it's not good, but it's just, people are going to just walk right past it to get the other big things, which is unfortunate, but I had a good time with the trailer. I've seen the trailer now a couple of times. Um, There's been a couple of movies like this in the past. Uh, You remember that Johnny Knoxville movie with Brian Cox about him lying to get in the special Olympics so he can compete and win the, um, the ringer, the ringer. (laughs) Yeah, it's just I that movie was also horrendous, but I mean I had a it was it was for what his comedy is worth it was it was all right, but I'm looking forward to this. I like Harrelson. Um and I think he yeah, can do who it. Doesn't, who doesn't like Woody Harrelson? Speaking of Woody Harrelson, did you are you keeping up with the remake of um White Man Can't Jump? No, is that a thing? That's a, that's actually a, I think due out this the end of this year. Maybe I'm wrong about that. Isn't that nuts? Isn't that weird? Yeah, uh, yes. That's one of those movies I probably wouldn't have touched. I mean, that's just me, but I think that movie's probably as good as it's ever going to be. The seventeenth, yeah, yeah. In- that's a that's a weird movie to remake, by the way. I agree. It's just why March seventeenth. We have Inside, and then we have Shazam: Fury of the Gods. Shazam! March March twenty fourth. John Wick Chapter Four. A big week. We're very excited. John for Wick. That. John Wick. Uh, and then Friday, the thirty first of March is Dungeons and Dragons: Honor Among Thieves, and also Spinning Gold. Very excited. I did for those. see our uh, our local AMC now has a Dungeons and Dragons combo. <laughs> did like you a, see that? Like a, like, like, a, like a popcorn drink, that kind of thing. Yep. Mm-hmm. Nice. What? How much? What do you get in the combo? Uh, I believe it's two medium drinks, a large popcorn, and a candy. Yeah, that's that, that's pretty standard for uh, AMC. That's that's one of the combo. That's the number one, I think. Oh no, <laughs> number one is large drink, large popcorn. Uh, sir, that's the Dungeons and Dragons combo. <laughs> Fair, fair. I forget the combo. I worked there for a while. I forget the combos, but um, that was a combo. But now it's the Dungeons Dragons combo. All right, April fifth, and we'll. I think we'll just stop in the middle of April. Here is we have Air courting a legend. I have no idea what that is. So that's okay. So I know what that is. I saw the trailer for that. Finally, do you know what that is? That's the no, Nike story about how they get oh, Michael that's Jordan. Right. That's to, right. uh with uh, Affleck and them. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, ben Affleck might- and um, uh, who's um Ben Affleck and who's the uh, Matt Damon? Yeah, Matt Damon. Yep. Yeah, that does sound interesting, and it's a story I think people want to hear because Michael Jordan is as as a big name as any in the eighties, nineties. So, uh, I mean, still one of the most recognizable names fair, fair. in sports media and fashion. So that is true. And man, his shoes. I know someone who collects his shoes and goes ravenous whenever. Whenever, whenever one of those shoes gets put out. Yep. Um, man, and do you remember? Do you remember how big of a deal? Um, do you remember how big of a deal the first Space Jam was to have Michael Jordan in it? Yeah, absolutely. Do you remember? Like, I, I, kid, young kids today that may have missed that era. I don't think you get how big of a deal. Like Michael Jordan being in the Chicago Bulls was such a huge. I was maybe too young to really get the gravity of what that was, but man. He was on fire <laughs> when in, in the you know eighties and nineties. That was the age of Michael Jordan for sure. Yeah. So, so back in my early life, um, I worked at a shoe store, a large chain shoe store that had Jordan releases and stuff like that. So uh, I've lived through those, and they are 
as fun as days at work as they can be, you know, because legitimately the shoe comes out before the doors even open. I've sold 15 pair. So <laughs> how do you, you sell the before sh- the doors open? How do you <clears> sell? You open pair? a gate, you take their money, you ring them out, you give them the shoes and say, have a good one. You don't get to try <laughs> them on. You don't get to bring them back. That's it. Once wow. they cross the, once they cross the threshold, they're gone. Hmm. so interesting is that the same for all shoes or just his shoes just well any major release now it's different back in the day because now you get most of your stuff online but like back then legitimately we'd have one size run of shoes which is like one pair of eights two pair of eight and a half so like all the way up to like 13 you know we'd have a couple of like random sizes thrown in there maybe but at most you get 15 shoes 15 pairs so goals haven't gone before you opened and there are people that just keep those in boxes forever and just let them, mm-hmm. you know, accrue value over and over again. But I used to have them. a lovely pair of Olympic Michael Jordans. They were incredible shoes. What do you mean? Terrible, you used- terrible for your feet. I mean, I've long since retired them. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Okay. I mean, that yeah, I've was never 20 been, plus years ago. I've never been into like shoes like that, but I mean, I, I collect New Balance, so I can understand that a little. Wow. Bit. That's I know. old white guy stuff. I know. Um, I like it though. I have a ton of, I probably have like 50 or 60 pair of new, of new balance. I just keep adding more, but, uh, yeah, that's what I do with my money, I guess. Yep. the Olympic Jordan seven. How much is those worth now? If you, if they were unopened, how much those, like if you hadn't worn them and you still had them in box mint, what are the, you know what those are worth? 500 bucks. No, that's not too much of an appreciation, I guess. I mean, that's five times what they cost. Yeah. But I was expecting like thousands or maybe tens of thousands, but interesting. All right. April 7th paint. And the Super Mario Bros. movie, what are we thinking about? That we, are we, we you and Chris still think it's going to do hundred million lo- uh, domestic? Yeah, I mean Ant Man just did a hundred million. Uh, but Ant, so. but but Mario is not Marvel. Yeah, no, it's fucking Mario. Well, I was just say it can go either way of that, but it's it's not Marvel. It can be more. It can be less. But we will definitely see. Um, so there's that. But I'm really excited for this the spring coming up. You all know that I talk about it every week. Let's take a look at what's streaming this week. We're at the end of our we're at the end of our rotation for HBO Max, and one movie I'd like to point out uh, is going to be a nope from you, Roger. But it's Barbarian by director Zach Krieger, uh, George, Georgina Campbell, Bill Skarsgård, Justin Long, Richard Blake, two thousand twenty-two. Do you remember this? Uh, you know, we we didn't watch it, but do you mm-hmm. remember the the trailer and the poster for this? Yep, nope. that movie is as creepy as. Any I've seen in a long time, and it's, it's I hear kind it's of a very update. good movie, though. It is, it is, and I, I here's my my two cents on it is it's kind of an updated version of a horror film because it's, it involves someone renting an Airbnb in a neighborhood that is otherwise almost every building in the neighborhood is dilapidated and it's they're falling down, but this house is pristine. Uh, I think it's in Detroit, and uh, but there's something different with this house, and there's several scenes where. Um, you know, she's doing her thing and she comes in and she realizes that Bill Skarsgård is the other tenant for Bill Skarsgård is the other tenant for this house. And there are things that aren't right. There are mysteries of things that are coming up missing in the middle of the night, but the front door is locked and the alarm didn't go off. So whatever it was, it took it, didn't come inside the house and you're thinking what's going on, but there are some creepy, creepy imagery in this film. And it's, Imagine, I just want to say this to hopefully entice some of you to watch it or it'll probably do the opposite of keep some of you away. Imagine you're, you somehow found a tunnel in your house somewhere and it's super dark and you hear footsteps behind you, but you can't quite pinpoint what it is coming at you. What do you do? <laughs> I would probably just die. <laughs> just, just faint. Yeah. It's, 
that, there's one scene that got me. I screamed like a, I screamed high pitched. It did make me scream though, and I did scream. It was who boy, Roger. I challenge. I, I dare you to watch that movie. I dare you no. to watch that movie. All right, um, I'll watch that movie. <laughs> Were you really scary? No. Oh, oh wow. Okay. Fuck okay. no. <laughs> that's a Wes. That's a good one. And then. If you want to catch where all the the pelvic thrusting and gyration began, Magic Mike is also available on HBO Max by director Steven Magical Michael the First. Magical Michael the First, as it will hence be known known by from here going forward, directed by Steven Soderbergh, Alex Pettifer, Olivia Munn, Matthew McConaughey, Riley Keough, Channing Tatum, 2012. Uh, this this is where it started, and it's it's actually you know this is one of those movies that I think people expected to be kind of a silly little throwaway, but it is not a silly little throwaway it is it's a good movie it's it's a hustlers for a lot of people like hustlers was for roger we thought it was going to be one thing and it turned out to be great yep so i mean it's if you want to see where it started you haven't seen it yet if you have hbo max it is available to watch they're both of the first two are both available on there so you can get caught up and roger another one movie that i love and i'm glad you chose this one bull durham yes by, by ron shelton kevin costner susan sarandon tim robbins Trey Wilson, William O'Leary, Robert Wool, 1988. Tell us why this movie is a damn good classic. So Kevin Costner loves baseball, right? He's in some excellent baseball movies, you know, for the love of the game, uh, Field of Dreams, you know, small movies that you may have heard. Uh, I will be honest with you. I believe that this is the best baseball movie that has ever been made. Seriously. Um, It's funny. It's got a good story. It's got a realistic story that relates to most people. Um, I think Bull Durham is incredible, and I recommend everybody watch it. Listen, it's R-rated. It's very baseball-y. It's very mid-80s traveling baseball-y. So that's what you're getting into, folks. So, But you should be here for it. Well, I don't... I both agree with you and disagree with you because I, I can't give... I can't say that Bull Durham is better than Field of Dreams. It's okay to How, be However, you're right about. I mean, I do. What, Bull Durham is way more of a baseball movie than Field of Dreams is. Yes, Field of Dreams is a movie that you know baseball is a centerpiece, but Bull Durham is a movie about baseball. Mm-hmm. So I, I'll give you that one, but I still don't think it's better than. I think Field of Dreams is one of the best movies ever. It's, that's in my top three all the time. It's just that movie is incredible. The writing's incredible. But I mean, look, I mean, Bull Durham isn't far, and by by not far behind, I mean like by a fraction of a point if that it's just they're, those are both incredible movies and those are both kevin costner films both they're amazing wonderful yeah well wait, so he had um he had for love of the game that's sam raimi and bull durham he had field of dreams mm-hmm. there's got to be more than that no i that think I'm, so that i'm just not thinking of i don't believe so i think that's I all of them Okay, one. I think there's one or two more where he's doing something with baseball. Maybe I'm wrong about that, but um, well, I mean, I'm sure that some readers out there, our listeners out there, are screaming in their radios right now. Listening to this, but. All right, let's talk about some trailers. This is a big week for trailers. <laughs> Important announcement. Roger said in text to Chris and me, "It is." Let's talk about the trailer for Fast and the Furious. And I want I want to talk for you know if, I want to talk for two or three minutes seriously about this. Is, right. So this is like a three and a half minute trailer. Yeah, I hope but, we get a four-hour movie. But when you're when you're the tenth movie in, I think three and a half minutes probably does it justice. And so, correct me if I'm wrong. I may be a little wrong on my Fast and the Furious lore. Okay. The bank, the big what bank I'm here for. 
<laughs> the big bank heist, which they rip off banks and they're cruising down the highway in cars. That was Fast Five, right? Uh, yes. That was Fast Five, and that yes. was with Paul, that was still with Paul Walker. Mm-hmm. And so it looks like with this trailer, they're retroing it. So the person that they ripped off with those banks, with the bank vaults, is Jason Momoa's character. Uh, Jason Momoa's dad. Dad. His dad's okay. His dad. So now Momoa, of course, is here for the. But let's talk about the previous vengeance. Let's talk about revengeance. Some... <laughs> Let's talk about some Fast and the Furious villains in the past couple of movies. Jason Statham, mm-hmm. The Rock. Um, I don't know if he was. I don't know if The Rock was a villain, but he was working. Technically, with. he started as a villain. That's for sure. But that was so, the same movie. But I'm saying so, that was this movie. Yeah, that the or well the movie they're five. referencing. Yeah. yeah. So the the Rock, Jason Statham, and who was the most? Re- oh, um, what's his? Uh, John uh, Cena. What, oh, John Cena. He was Fast Nine, and someone. Wasn't who was the guy who was Luke Evans from Bard from Decker the Hobbit Shaw. trilogy? Yeah, Shaw. What the Shaw brothers are? Wait, is one of them dead now? I don't remember. But I know that Statham's character is working with the Fast crew, and his mother's Helen Mirren. Right? I'm trying to keep all this together. There's so many goddamn characters. Yeah. So Jason Statham is a Shaw. Luke Evans, Deckard Shaw is his brother. Helen Mirren is their mom. So those three are a family. Family. Okay. Yep, yeah. family. And then everybody else still falls, falls under Dom's uh, ever-growing umbrella. Of It's just, it's insanity, man. But I, I it looks like we have Dom's, looks like we have Dom's mom in this movie too, by the way. I saw that. I saw that indeed. And his son, you know, prominently yep. featured. Growing so up, yep. I'm, this is going to be another billion dollar movie. I have zero doubt about that. Oh yeah, no. <laughs> Fasten your seatbelts, baby. <laughs> Let's go. Oh, I got to give you credit. Because I will not stop doing that, by the way. <laughs> I wasn't going to ask you to, but I will give you credit. And when when they first announced Fast 10, like two years ago, you did say something about Fast 10, your seatbelts. <laughs> I don't know if you like saw it somewhere or you just thought of it, but if you thought of it, congratulations, because I think you were the first. Good for you, man. Yep. Fast 10, your seatbelts. So I talked to someone at work. Who said? I said with this trailer, aren't you? Are you going to watch Fast Ten? And, and he looks at me, he, and he looks at me deadpan, and says, "Motherfucker, they went into space in a Pontiac in the last movie. No, that's ridiculous." No, he, he, he looked. He turned around and was like, "Hell yeah, brother!" <laughs> because it's so man. I think about that that Pontiac going into space, and that thing would have just imploded like a can, like a steel, like just pff, crushed. Like, I mean, everything inside it would have been dead. Like, nothing about that was any kind of reality whatsoever. But then again... Because <laughs> they had been tied to the rules of reality and <laughs> physics before that. Well, but I'm just saying, none of the... The stunts from maybe the first Fast and Furious, maybe the first one, second one, and third one, but after that, they're like, I don't think there's any way to really do those and survive. I mean, it's at some not. point during this movie, we're going to recreate the bridge chase scene where they have the tank and... Or uh, and the helicopters instead of a tank that are going to harpoon Dom's charger. Dom's going to ramp off onto the exit ramp and bring the helicopters together into a fire explosion with the help of Nos. So absolutely, uh, yeah, fuck yeah, with Nos. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I just can't help but get excited because I mean, look, if we use the term on the show, stupid fun, man. No, but they are, and we use a, we use a certain term on the show. This is this is a popcorn movie, hundred yep. percent. Fast matters. ten. 
will sell popcorn and it'll have a it'll it'll have a special popcorn tin at Amazon or Amazon at AMC. Um, it'll be look, it'll just be fun. Watch it, enjoy it for what it is. I don't go to watch the grounded realism. I go to yeah, like look because after it is, after nine previous movies, you know what you're getting here, people. <laughs> you absolutely know what you're getting. But I'm for I for one am excited. I just I just want to see what they keep like they've gone into space. What's the next one up? Is there a next one up? They're gonna land I mean, on Mars. Oh, I mean, fine, but that's, that's or <laughs> or the bottom of the ocean. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure the one of those is true, but uh, that's the next one upping is one of those. I mean, there's, there's a fifty percent chance there's drag racing at the bottom of the ocean in this movie. I mean, look, we don't we don't know. No one knows what's down there. Nope, nobody. As a matter of fact, I went to the aquarium this weekend, and there or was the fish drag racing. <laughs> they were not. However, there's an. I saw a video for. There is a very deep water octopus, which which we know almost nothing about because we can't get down there enough to study them. The only things that we know about this deep water octopus are from its um, its dead body that floats up, and so we can <laughs> study it. But like, cool. what killed it? You know what I mean? Like that's terrifying. That is just that's terrifying. And there's we'll feast, be dead soon. And there's fish with human teeth. No, I'm not okay with that. I don't, I don't, what is that? That's just, no, that's not okay. But anyway, so I'm excited for the Fast X um, movie. The trailer is okay. It's three and a half minutes. Um, they, 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 you get to see Paul Walker again. And for a lot of people, that's a good thing. I mean, that, well, it shouldn't be a bad thing for anyone, but it's very nostalgic and horrible. You think he dies in this movie? I, I'm going to say no. Uh, here's the thing though. I think maybe he does. So I think somebody's got to die, and I think it's about time Brian gets to meet Jesus officially. I'm, well, he hasn't. I guess he hasn't died in the movie yet. No, he well, sure I mean, hasn't. He, well, they gave him a send off. Yeah, but seven. then his car. Hold on. Do you remember the end of last movie? I don't. Am I missing his, something? His car rolls up. He said he'll be here soon, and Brian's uh, car, his blue car, rolls up. Pulls into the driveway behind Dom. Oh, that's right. Oh my Brian goodness. Brian is still alive. I keep forgetting that. That oh my god. He, my, I mean, know. he is very, very dead in real life. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Like almost ten years ago now. Legitimately. Yeah, Twenty fourteen. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So. Well that's okay. So we're excited Let's see to see where that goes. But now I want to talk about the movie which Roger, you've also been right about for two years. Yes. The Flash, and yes. for, for for those of you not familiar with the with the um the news surrounding, I will the Flash give myself is, a round of applause. Hang on, here, there we go, round of applause. So for, yep. for 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 those not familiar with the the news behind the Flash, it is um what's his, what's the what's the actor's name? Ezra Ed, Miller. Ezra Miller is has been is a crazy person. Is a crazy person, and he he's been accused and found guilty of some things. He's so, a bad person. So, I he's. This movie is important, Roger says, because if it wasn't important, they would just scrap it and they would have canned it. Yep. 100%. They would collect the insurance money and just DC would have moved on. However, we know that DC by recent news by James Gunn is rebooting the first movie in the in the new official canon, DC EU will be in 2025. Yep. And this comes out 2023, so a year and some months that's not too hard to wait for the next because if they're going to use this as a segue into the next movie, because we in this movie we see Michael Keaton as Batman, we see yep. Ben Affleck as Batman. Yep. Um, well, we don't see Ben Affleck as Batman; we see him as we, we see as him Bruce as Bruce Wayne. Wayne, right? But it's it's important because 
who are we going to, you know, it's just how they get these people to come back. And from the trailer, this looks like, this looks like the movie that DC wanted like 10 years ago. So the story behind this, and I've talked about this one, so I won't get super nerdy, but uh, just two minutes here. Um, The story is Flashpoint, which is one of the famous stories in the Flash universe and all of DC because the Flash goes back in time because he always goes back in time and tries to save his mom. It's It's a watershed moment in the person who most people consider the Flash, Barry Allen, in his life. And try as he might, he cannot logistically save his mom without breaking everything else. Um, There's a couple of sayings like time has a pattern, um, stuff along the lines of like the obdurate past, like it doesn't like to be changed and the past harmonizes, like that sort of stuff. So if something happens in one version of time, it probably will happen in the other version of time. That's just how things work. Um, But every time Barry goes back, he fucks something up else more. Every time he saves his mom. Well, this last time he goes back, he's going to save her, and then he's going to really break everything else. Like, the Earth is in chaos. Uh, in this movie alone, you see Zod has come back. There's no Henry Cavill's version of Superman to fight him off. Like, we're in bad shape here. Um, he goes looking for Bruce Wayne. He's going to find old man Michael Keaton, who I'm pretty sure he's going to be playing Thomas Wayne in this movie. Now, they haven't said that officially, but that's the Flashpoint storyline, so I'll go with that for now. Um, It was also a point in DC's comic book timeline where they reset a whole bunch of stuff after this. Because the the end of the movie, or the storyline, goes back to where Barry just stops going back in time, and it doesn't save his mom, and then nothing ever happens because of it. So, like, that's universe one for them. So, I said a long time ago when they greenlit Flashpoint, because... DC has really taken some on the chin more so recently than even Marvel and Marvel's not really put out any real good movies recently um, that this would be a great time for them to reset, get rid of actors. They don't want to get rid of stories. They don't want to be attached to anymore and all that sort of stuff. Now that doesn't mean we won't keep some people, you know, like I think Jason Momoa as Aquaman is awesome. Like I think he's great. However, you don't have to keep him if he's not worth the money. Uh, I think Gail Godot as Wonder Woman is great. The first Wonder Woman movie is as good of a DC movie as there are. Second one, kind of a turd. But you don't have to keep that timeline if you don't want to. Um, We already have a reset Batman with Robert Pattinson. He's not going anywhere. They've already greenlit the Batman Part 2. So he stays. But past that, who knows where everybody else goes? Will we get another Shazam movie? Who knows? Superman's already gone, already left, done. If we get another one, it won't be him. Black Adam is kind of come and gone. It's done and over with. This is their chance to start fresh with all new stories if they want to. I just really, truly hope that they don't rehash. Look, I don't want to see Batman's parents die again. I don't want to see Barry Allen's mom die again. I don't want to see all this terrible stuff. Let's just assume that it's happened and move the fuck along, okay? Like Wait, that's... Have, have we seen Barry Allen's mom die yet? Well... In every Flash story, his mom dies. <laughs> it's but like, like Uncle but we ben. haven't seen it though. But we haven't seen it ha- happen though. Mm, oh, I mean, look, you're going to see it in Flashpoint a bunch. Okay, so, fair. Yeah, so that's, that's going mean, to be. That's, as 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 long as what they do makes sense with the story, then of course I'm all in. It's when they start being weird and contorting it. I would just kind of prefer a clean break because, well, I have two questions. 
then mm-hmm. why why watch Shazam at this? If if Shazam's not part of it, which we don't know if it is or it isn't, we have, we have no idea. So and there are but Shazam. Just remember, Shazam comes before Flashpoint. Well, yeah, I I I I, I get that. But if it's going to be wiped, then so which which either means that they're being quiet about this being the last Shazam for right now because they want to make the money on it, or they have plans to go further, which. I, well, I don't there, know because there are multiple DC movies slated to come out this year. So we get Shazam, we get Flashpoint, we get Blue Beetle, and we get Aquaman all this year. That is That's true. And four movies. Last year when I was working on Harold and the Purple Crayon, um, I was I got I got to be friends with some of the set PAs, and they said that he he wouldn't come out and say that he was going to be in another in a third Shazam, but he just kind of one one of them said when I, when I asked him straight up, he just kind of smiled and walked away. So I'm taking that as a yes. There will be more Shazam, and he knows Zachary Levy knows there will be more after Flashpoint. So who knows? But that's I mean, as far as real evidence, I, I don't think anyone really has any because DC would be foolish to say that right now anyway. So I mean, we'll see where that goes. But I think you're right about Flashpoint, and I think if okay, let me ask let me ask you this question then, since you've just given us all the round there, all the, the history okay. behind it. If Ezra Miller just stops being a turd. Does he have a few? I mean, can he just continue on? Like, just okay, Ezra. This is our last chance, and then so just continue I, on. I do not believe so. I think now. Listen, I could be one thousand percent wrong. I think when everything resets, the Flash is not Barry Allen anymore. It won't. Or Esther Miller as Barry Allen anymore. I don't think so. Interesting. Okay. Okay. That's a, that's a fair point. But in the in, in in the story flashpoint for the Flash, lore wise, when Flashpoint happens, is it still the same Barry Allen or is it somebody else? Well, see, here's the thing: it doesn't matter because he can be Barry Allen. He can look different. Do you understand what I mean? Okay, that makes sense. Okay, I mean, I look at I don't know I don't know any of the lore. You know the lore, so I'm counting on you here for 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 backstory. I will but do as much as I can here. That sounds interesting, though, and I think given the trailer we got, it sounds like it's going to be a very emotional movie. And I mean, look, I'm always here for emotional shit. It's always, I'm always. I bet down you Flashpoint's really long too. By the way, I would be surprised if it's less than two and a half hours long. Well, it sounds like it's got a lot of ground to cover, so yeah. you can't just do that. You have to tell the story. You have to follow through. So I imagine it'll be pretty long. But I mean, look, I, well, if there's one thing that comic book people love, it's or don't mind it sitting through long. I mean, they sit through how many Marvel movies have we had? Like almost thirty at this point, maybe like thirty two, thirty three. Yeah. And they're they they've all they're been all two over plus. two hours. Most of them yeah. are over two hours at this point. Yep. So I mean, look, the audience obviously doesn't care, and if the movie is good, they'll watch it three or four times a piece. So I mean, if you do good, then you get good back. It's I just really hope this movie doesn't suck because DC does not need that. It is. No. I just hope and also for Ezra Miller, it's not bad because look, I mean, say what you want about him, Ezra Miller, but I mean, as far as his performance on screen, it's always pretty good. Yeah. So he's just a shitbag. Yeah. Uh, the other part of it is too, and this will be the last thing I say about it when it comes to DC movies that are already slated and done, waiting for release. Um, the movie that actually intrigues me the most, besides Aquaman two, is the Blue Beetle story um, because that's a cool character. Uh, it's about a young guy who gets a uh, basically bit by an alien bug uh, in his spine and gets superpowers because of it. And the guy playing him, if you've watched um, Cobra Kai. It's the lead in Cobra Kai, uh, Zolo um, 
Mary Duna, uh, Mary oh, okay. Dona. Okay. Um, he's the lead in that, and I'm okay with that. Um, I think he would be a good job playing uh, Jamie Ramirez. So um, I think that'll be cool. Oh, good. Okay, so. good, good, good. Well, that's all. It's, it's a big year for DC. So mm-hmm. let's hope it's a hope big year. Don't for, fuck this up. Yeah, let's hope it's a big year for all comics. Hope it's a big comics. year for movies. Yeah, Straight up. I, I really do hope that. And let's talk about an Apple TV Plus movie, Tetris, with Taron Edgerton about the beginning of the game Tetris on Game Boy. How it came to the States, basically. It looks so. awesome. I like Taron Edgerton, so already they got me there. Listen, does... Also, I love his mustache, I, by the way. I, I know you do, Roger. I know wow. Do. Powerful mustache. And, I, you know, if there's something else I love it going into this. sexual energy. <laughs> I mean, look, it, let me tell you something. It does. This is coming from a man who cannot grow one. I'm very jealous of that. The radiation of sexual energy from the mustache. Absolutely. Um, this is. But something else you get with Apple, though, is incredible production value incredible yes. production value so you know it's gonna mm-hmm. you know it's in the capable hands of Taron Edgerton who's a good lead we've he's proven that time and time again and it's got apples all over it they do good they do for the most part good work you know attention to detail good stuff so I'm I'm there's a for right now there's a win-win the trailer's great um, it looks to be a very intriguing I don't know how for this look I don't know the, the origin for most things that movies tell but I mean it's if the origin for the real for for Tetris is is half as cool as the, what the trailer is saying. Then mm-hmm. that's pretty that's pretty awesome, man. The world almost comes to an end over Tetris. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, so be it. Worth and if it. you're and if you remember a small little handheld that changed the world, you know, sold you know ten twelve units Game Boy. It, it Game changed, Boy. It changed the world. It really did. I mean, and Tetris for a long time was packaged with it, so it absolutely changed the world. So look forward to those three Fast Ten. The Flash and Tetris. Yep. All right, Roger. Let's talk about Magical Michael the Third mm. for the movie of the week. What say you, sir? I say we do it. I say we do it. All right. Let's get off with some. Let's start off with some uh, Rotten Tomatoes. And if you would be so kind, sirs, to pull up the Metacritic. Sure. Magic Mike's Last Dance. The Rotten Tomato. The tomato meter is forty nine percent, but the audience score. Get this, 73%, 7-3. That is really high in the right direction, I think. I think this okay. is one of the few times that critics have it wrong and the audience has it right. But that's Ooh, just that's that's just I think me. So, uh, I do. I really do. What what, what, so. what about what about you? Metacritic is 51. Uh it's not terrible for Metacritic, but it's not good. It's just kind of in the middle. So mm-hmm. I mean, for a Metacritic, like 75 for Metacritic is, is outstanding. Yeah. So, I mean, judge use that for judging what you will. But on what I just said about the tomato meter and the audience score being 49 and 73, what do you, do you think that's accurate or you think that's like me? You think that should be opposite? That's nah, fine. Accurate. All right. Fair enough. Well, let's get into it. Magic, Magical Michael number three. Magical Michael the third. The third. I keep forgetting the third. All right. Let's get the particulars out of the way. As if you need to know, Channing Tatum, handsome son of a bitch, Channing Tatum is Mike Lane, Selma Hayek, Ayub Khandin, Jamie, sorry, Gemelin George, Juliet Matamad, Vicky Pepperdine, Caitlin Gerard, Gavin Spokes, Ethan Lawrence, Nancy Carroll, Adam Rodriguez, directed by Steven Soderbergh. Roger, what is this movie about? It's about Magic Mike. Fiend. So let's score it. No, I have okay, nothing so else to say. <laughs> Magic Mike, as Mike Lane has found himself kind of at an impasse, 
in life. He's you know he's he's on the he's back end of bartending his his furniture shop that he had uh, folded up during COVID, like many other small businesses. You know, shout out to small business people. Um, <laughs> R.I.P. <laughs> R.I.P. Um, he's bartending like big time famous charity bartending. You know, ends up uh, seeing somebody who had a dance from him years ago when he was a in quotations, police officer. <laughs> Hilarious, by the way. Hilarious. Yep. Funny interaction. So I, I like that. But yeah, I mean, so it starts off. He ends up meeting Selma Hayek's character, who is it's her charity. And, you know, she comes to him when they're closing up shop and asks her to ask him to dance for him for her. I mean, and it's it kind of kind of gets a little wild after that. Right. Like. Um, legitimately, I couldn't tell you straight line what the whole plot of this movie is. It just kind of comes at you piece by piece. Um, but I will tell you in comparison to other Magic Mike movies, uh, the first two Magic Mike movies are definitely about stripping. Right? Right. Okay. Right. This movie is less about stripping and more about dancing. Okay. And not just like lap dancing and stuff like that, like actual using your skills to dance and like production style dancing. So that was kind of a change and not that it's bad. It's just different um, in this scenario. So I thought I'd point that out before we really get into this here. But I mean, the, the short version of the story is, you know, they come together, they end up hooking up. She flies into London to basically um, make a stage show about something that just sort of, spits out of her mouth one day and this is a story of that how it comes to be so it is it's not this is more this is including dancing and it starts off with a someone's narrating this um for someone's narrating this for a paper that they're writing for school and it you know it starts off talking about dance uh starts off talking about actual actually mike lane but dance also so you I mean you know going also in, channing it, tatum has really let himself go <laughs> yeah absolutely and he's just all the abs. This this guy, all the abs. Shame on him. Shame on him. A lot of ugly people in this movie. <laughs> so many, so many. You remember the comment about um uh, about the the comment about in Top Gun about the everyone in the briefing room. You remember Brandon's yeah. comment about it's a good thing that uh, being a it's a good thing that being an Abercrombie and Fitch model was required to be in the in the military. That's right. <laughs> Man, I gotta have a hundred thousand followers on Instagram to right. to get in here <laughs> to defend our country. Yeah, yeah. So yep. This is the same thing, though. It's so let me let, let me ask some right off the bat. Magic Mike's okay. last dance. Who's this movie targeting? I don't. Th- I don't think. This, I, don't, I don't. I don't think this is a secret. But I also think there's a little bit of a debate here. Well, so it's female demographic, but I would state that it's a slightly older female demographic than the previous two Magic Mike movies. I would all, I would agree with you on that because well so, I mean in one they know they're on obviously it's it, obviously yeah. it's a female demographic like that's what this movie cares for. however listen I I would like to be the first person to say that the first Magic Mike movie is very very good okay oh, yeah. and if some guy tells you he didn't like Magic Mike he never watched it and I'm being serious here because look put a put aside that it's about you know dude stripping all right it is a very funny movie with like actual heart in it so don't don't knock magic mike because of that like magic mike is very good magic mike 2 is less good than magic mike 1 however it's in a very similar vein as one where this one is different in that aspect but 
I also think this movie doesn't quite stack up to the other two movies personally, but we'll get to that here later. So, uh, I think the second and third one are probably interchangeable for a lot of people, but the first one, I yeah, think, is going to remain that, on that's, top. That's you not know what I mentioned. coming out of my mouth. I actually agree. That this, the, the first one is by far the superior Magical Michael. All right. <laughs> yeah. You keep saying that. I keep laughing because it's not Magical Michael. But it's, I mean, it's, it is, it is the name Michael. of the movie is Magical Michael the Third. I don't care what it says on the poster or on IMDb. That's bullshit. <laughs> bullshit indeed. So let's talk about the characters then of what we learned very early on about some Hayek's character of Max. Is she is going through a messy rich, pe- rich person style divorce. So not well, great. I mean, we're talking about like one. Of, we're talking about like one of the richest men in London. Like, yeah, talking like billionaires, like yeah, guys like, that own TV channels, that like kind of money. Top one percent of the UK. This guy, like the is. richest of the rich. Yeah, right? of course. So, I mean, I can understand why she does what she does and why how she comes off the way she comes off. As I want to, I don't want to be with him, but I still want to be financially tied to him. So, oh yeah, I mean, no, you don't want to be poor. <laughs> no. That's no, no, for no. suckers. <laughs> suckers indeed um we laugh because it's supposed to be funny comedy ha 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 but i mean that that's that's one of the arcs here though that's 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 one of the how she's thinking in the beginning is she just wants a little getaway she just wants to be you know wind and dine for an evening and then just kind of yeah find herself a man that can you know give her the good stuff give her her the business as he as mike lane puts it give her the business Mm. son give her the Mm. business he does (laughs) He does indeed. So that, that opening that opening is kind of intriguing, though, is because we learn a lot about Mike. We learn a lot about Max. And learn that they learn that old forty year old man can still dance like a motherfucker. By the way, Channing Tatum has has lost no no um he has lost nothing in his step. And let me I want to talk to for one second about do you remember Step Up in two thousand six? Yes, directed by Ann Fletcher. This is very <laughs> much kind of like that in that same vein too. Yep. Is you know. Channing Tatum has done this a lot. And even, you know, as, as a weird, another weird reference, um, 21 jump street and 22 jump street is he does Mm -hmm. dance in those two. So Channing Tatum really kind of has a thing. Like he's not, afraid to dance in movies and he, I, I think he kind of like no, cause that's, looks that's for those he roles. used to be, well, I mean, you know, the story behind magic Mike, right? I don't know. The he story behind used magic to be Mike. a stripper. Oh, Channing Tatum did. Yes. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Okay, fair yes. enough. So God, he must have been he must have been young then. I mean, 21, 22, best shape of your life, man. Yeah, cuz he's been cuz he's been acting. I mean, he's been in big movies since like 2004, 2005. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, okay, maybe about 20 years ago. Yeah, jeez. All right, that, that actually makes sense. Okay, now the timeline actually does line up, but <clears throat> that's what so Ann Fletcher made step up and you know, I also got some. Uh, I also got some oceans vibes from this. Did you get some oceans vibes as well? I didn't really get that. Like when they're going, for instance, when they're the the first really big obstacle for them is getting approval from the kind of this is this old tight ass woman who doesn't easily give approval for what they need approval for. And like mm-hmm. the way they show you that montage of them all bumping into her and they're all listening to her, like that's very much an oceans as they're telling you. As you know, Danny Ocean is going over the plan. You're seeing it play out, so that's okay. very much like that. And Soderbergh, okay, you know, I, did, yeah. I didn't think about it like that. You're right. You know, now that you bring it up, I, I, I see the, I see the parallel there. I absolutely do. You're right. And and Soderbergh definitely had his tendrils in the Ocean's films as well. So I mean, it's it's kind of a stylistic thing. But I mean, I can see the DNA of Magic Mike and where it came from. 
And I, I really appreciate that they kept that one in this movie too, especially with Channing Tatum. Like it just, I, I can't, now I'm, I'm going to say something. Maybe you don't agree with me. Maybe you do, but I'm just going to say it is this movie doesn't work without Channing Tatum. There's not many other people that could have, I mean, by not many other people as that has the leading star power he does and the dance ability that he does. There might be sure. like four other people in Hollywood that can do this. Okay. Yeah. I mean, does that, I mean, there's, no, that's, that's probably okay. fair. Well, you didn't object immediately, so I knew I was kind of on the right track. But so it just, but I mean, men used to have to do all these things. You know, the big stars in Hollywood used to have to do dance, sing, and act all in the same time. You know what I mean? Like yep. huge. I mean, they could do all three, and you know, it's just it's such a rarity that they can do that anymore these days. So I'm, I'm glad that I'm not saying he can sing. I've never heard Channing Tatum sing, but I'm sure he has a lovely voice. I don't know. But, <laughs> Um, yeah, but so far he's, I think Channing Tatum is, he's just either he's brilliant or his agent is brilliant, but they know exactly the roles that he thrives in hundred well, I mean, He's doing a little bit of different stuff too, outside of the magic mic realm, doing a little bit uh, more impactful stuff too. You think about, and now listen, he was in a comedy with Sandra Bullock recently, the lost city. Remember that? That was also like that was better than just average. That, that was that was an good. okay movie. That yeah. was an okay movie. Do you remember the other movie he was in? What was that? Dog. Dog. Well, he that was his that was, he directed that. That was his baby. He did that was his director of debut. Um, Dog is a good movie. Dog is a surprisingly okay movie. Yep. Yeah. I, so. I, he. I'm telling you, he's he's more than just what I thought he was back in 2005. It was just a pretty face and nothing much else going on. But uh, he does it well. And Magic Mike's a because it started with also with he had who he had in the first one was um McConaughey. Yeah. Obviously the older, wiser, better actor was Matthew McConaughey, and he kind of had that to go off of. Second one was kind of a just an extension of the first movie. This is the first time, like in this series anyway, he's been on like I don't know if I'd call Selma Hayek that like that grounding force that he needed, because it's not really the same they're not doing the same thing. It's just No. So he kind of had the reins on his own on this one, and he did. He did. He did. His he played this very well. I was just, I was surprised how much I was enjoying this movie. Well, the Mike Lane character has to resonate with Channing Tatum in his third run through that. You know, he has to know how how he feels. But that's the thing with But that's the thing with with Mike Lane though is they've somehow taken the character that you know he's an interesting guy. Mike Lane, he's funny when he wants to be. He can dance and he's charming. They've somehow made a third movie with him and it doesn't feel rehashed or stale. It feels still somewhat fresh and Yeah, it doesn't fun. feel like we've run the Mike, you know, we've run Mike out of the out of the program, you know. Like we're not like legitimately I could see that there could be one more Mike Lane story and be like, okay, sure, fine. Right. Just, yeah, of course. Just one more big movie, just a bunch of you know, shirtless guys on, you know, doing things on screen for a while. Bunch sure. of dudes out bunch there dudes. looking hot. Bunch of dudes doing dude things. Yeah, of, of, of course. Uh, but the, the meat and potatoes is where I get into this. And for, com, for, for comparability, it's like, I mean, they're both mics, but I thought of, you know, you and I, we love, we love Angel. We're sorry. We, we love the Mike Banning trilogy, soon to be a quadrilogy. Of, but there's not really a lot of change in Mike Banning. You know, I mean, he's the same, just, old killer he's getting and, older yeah and he just gets more pissed off like oh, i gotta do this again like it's just we just love it because like mike banning is back but mike banning is back <laughs> but the movies are still they still have their charm each of them but like it's a different kind of character than you know but th- this one's different it's not just he's not just 
a dancing a dancing stripper like Mike Banning is just like an action guy. This is right. you know he's there's some more there's some more dimension to him, and that's kind of what I wanted to get out there in the kind of a long winded way. But so the, the 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 as we get to London, he's tasked with putting together a show that like he gave the like the dance he gives to Max Selma Hayek's character in the beginning. He's he's supposed to orchestrate and direct a stage show that will appeal to women of of age you know age age appropriate and up yep, age appropriate sure. so and and that's kind of where we that's the that's the meat and potatoes of this movie and you know kind of the pushback is some of the some of the hurdles some of the the obstacles are Max's ex husband are making things difficult the city of London gets involved and says you can't. This theater you're using to put on your performance, you can't make alterations. Place, you can't do that. Blah, and they blah, make blah. all these alterations, and the city says you can't do that. And you know they find creative ways around it. Um, but it's 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 interesting how they weave that story in with you know uh, Mike Lane's staying at her house and interacting with her and her daughter. And you know my favorite character is the uh, who the, what was the butler's name? Oh, Victor. Victor, Victor. the butler. He's Victor awesome. Rules. By the way, that's the name I was going to give Chris was Victor. If he were here today, Chris would have been Victor. But yeah, I really, uh, I really enjoyed that part of this movie. Is I actually like Victor to me was kind of a wild card. Is I didn't really know, I didn't know if he was feeding information. I didn't know if he was in love with Selma Hayek. Didn't I didn't know, know if how he was, his character. Yeah, was. Yep, but like right. I kind of enjoyed that because there's not many movies I watch where I can't see things coming from a mile away. You know, it's just it doesn't happen very often. So. I'm happy that I was able to not really see him if what he was, which was ultimately an ally for these people. And, and that, that's a good thing, but otherwise he's, his character is very enjoyable and, you know, part of, of a great source of comedy too, in okay. the film too. And, and, and that really helps, yeah. I think. Yeah, absolutely. How say you no. about the rest of the cast besides Mike? No, Green? I think, I think they all, they all work pretty well. I mean, you spoke pretty well about the, the major points. I mean, here's the thing. If you don't count the dance troupe of guys, the actual core group of people is quite small. I so, agree with you. Yeah. It's only a few, like a handful of people. At, at yeah, I mean, Soma Hayek, Channing Tatum, the daughter, the butler, and I guess you have to count her with the dance troupe, the uh, the lady actress from the stage show. So well, we also yeah. do get a we also do get uh, uh, a ballerina thrown in the mix. Which is great because, boy, that scene is something. That scene mm-hmm. is just awesome. And we've seen that before. I mean, we've seen that scene in one of the – I think we saw it in Step Up. That scene actually was in – or a very similar scene with the rain and the the, the or the water falling and the dance number. Mm-hmm. I, I think there was a very similar scene in that too. <clears throat> but that's always stylistically, man, that's awesome. And it's just – just there, I don't know if you've, you're you're familiar with the show Glee, right? Yes, of course. There's one number with uh, they brought in Gwyneth Paltrow for a short arc on the show, and they 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 have a number where they remix. I forget the two songs they remix. One of them's Umbrella, and one oh, Singing in the Rain and Umbrella. But I mean, how they put them together, it's just it's just awesome how they put them together. But <clears throat> in in very Glee fashion, you know, these take these high school kids and you you have them start dancing in the choir room, and then minutes later they're on a they're on a stage wearing these very you know these suits and there's rainwater coming and there's lights from everywhere and obviously it's mm-hmm. not they're not really doing it but it's very stylized and it's it's a pleasure to watch because it's just when you when you fully let go of you just allow yourself to be sitting there and enjoying what you're watching that last that last sequence in the in the falling in the falling water was just that's really kind of mesmerizing almost hypnotic in a way in the way they shoot that because and when you start thinking about okay, um, they've had twelve hours to rehearse this. 
yeah, right. I, no plumber in their right mind was going to be able to, oh, to yeah, water right. on screen. And then right after that, not two minutes later, the stage is completely dry. There's no water anywhere else, and it didn't, yeah, ruin, so any, that's it didn't a, ruin any of the acoustics or any of the lights. That's the problem that I have with it. I mean, listen, it's a cool scene, but doesn't you know nobody's buying that, right? Well, well let, let, let me ask you. Now, you do that in you know in a let's just say like a, a movie like Road to Perdition, which I always I, I thought of too because of the extreme set piece in this one and that one was but in a movie like in a historical epic with tom hanks that stuff stands out in it and it matters in a movie like um in a movie like magic magical mike the third it doesn't mm-hmm. it doesn't matter that it's completely fake and the next in the next scene the stage is dry and there's no water damage anywhere it doesn't matter because it does that really let me does that really matter when you're like when you're no, really digging but I mean, I definitely, bones. like, as a guy who watches movies, I definitely noticed it, though. Well, I noticed it, but didn't, it didn't hurt my viewing in, where with, in like a, you know, in, if you're watching a, a war film and there's, a, and there's a big, big battle and then in a field and then all of a sudden you see them walking in the field and there's no bodies or there's no tanks yeah. or there's no, like, that's a problem because there's a lot of dead in that, you know, it's just, I don't know. Should it's be, just, should be piles of corpses here. <laughs> piles of corpses, bullets, blood everywhere, but. Point is, it's just this movie's a bunch of fun, and I kind of forgive it for some of its other problems, which I don't have a problem doing because it's. I just you'd really have to be a, a tight ass film critic to be like, actually, Magic Mike's Last Dance, Pinky Up, was really a turd of a movie. I hated <laughs> it in every sense of the word. Eh, I, well, no one's listening to you, buddy, so it, it doesn't matter anyway. So, well, so yeah. I, I want to talk a little bit negative about Magical Michael the Third here for just a second, though. So, please, um, the the one problem, now listen, it doesn't doesn't bother me in this movie, but it, it is a big, giant, staring you in the face problem. Is the plot convenience of this movie? Yeah, but you know what I mean. But it's but I don't think that matters. But here's the thing: I don't. With the original Magic Mike movie, it is somewhat grounded in reality, okay? It, it really is. Where this movie is just balls to the wall, none of this shit could ever happen in real life. And I think that that's, that's a bit of an issue. Sure. I mean, yes, again, they never would have gotten it down in the short amount of time they had, let, let alone the, the number, the, the extravagant numbers and the wardrobe they had in the end. They, they just wouldn't have had it. They just wouldn't have had any of those things. But does it, I mean... Does it bother you that much that they did? No, it doesn't. But it is something that, you know, as a guy who watches a lot of movies that he knows, you're just like, well, that couldn't be a thing. That wouldn't matter. Blah, blah, blah. You know, and and then and then like the 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 soon to be ex-husband, like, what is his deal? You know what I mean? Like, what's his real like why is he being such an asshole? Yeah, but I mean, is he really even being a giant asshole when you think about it? No. I mean, he's just trying to preserve yeah, he he's really not. So like, we we end up having it. We're we're supposed to chastise this guy, chastise this guy who is probably doing what most people would consider the right thing, and makes him look like a dickhead. Okay, sure. Well, you're getting fucking divorced for a reason, you know. Like clearly, not everything is great in your world anyway. But like, I think the entire second time we see see him in his office is just for Selma Hayek tell him to go fuck himself. Like, I think that's the entire reason that the entire scene exists, right? Well, yes. And one of the themes in this film is women empowerment. Yeah, women empowerment. Absolutely. And listen, I have no problem with that. But I don't think that they needed a scene like that to prove it. Listen, she's a bad bitch, dude. (laughs) She can do whatever she wants. 
And for some reason, the, the minute she gets a little bit of blowback, she shuts it down. Like, that's not empowering. <laughs> well, I mean, again, it, it depends on if you buy into it or not. Because, I mean, once you, if you sell a movie like this, you have to sell it. You know, I mean, it, but movies also have themes and, and like you have to stay on theme and you have to like kind of be similar through the entire thing. You have to stay consistent mm-hmm. through the entire movie. And that's, that's kind of on the, you know, he may not, I mean, okay, think about it. So whatever happened between them is between them. Do we ever really find out what happened between them? Uh, he banged his secretary. Well, assistant. okay. Sorry. But that's an easy, that's an easy throwaway excuse to have Max looking for a way out of the relationship. Like that, 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 that's an automatic, you get women in the audience to hate this guy. So there's no question if they're going to question what he's doing. But, but his, when he, when he comes over to the house and his complaint is you had this stranger around our daughter. That's one complaint. The second complaint is that theater has been in my family for a very long time. I don't want it destroyed or altered. Those well, are it's not his anymore. So, but the thing is that those are two legitimate arguments. No, like, they are. That, they are. That, that go back to your point of maybe he's not completely a dickhead. Maybe he's just because of divorce coming off like a dickhead, but he's just doing what's in his best interest to help, you know, whatever the theater and his daughter not go the wrong way. Mm-hmm. So I get that, but with women empowerment, you really have to reason to hate this fucking guy. And that's kind of it. And I allowed myself to buy into it just because I was in, I was just in the story. So that's just for, for at least for my excuse, that's what I, 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 I bought it hook, line and sinker, but I didn't have a okay. problem doing it. So, and it sounds like you didn't, and that's also not, not a big deal. No, I didn't. I noticed the issue, but I was just like, okay, I get it. Move along. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Um, what? Oh, so let's talk about the other, so let's talk about the dance troupe for one second. All right. Um, bunch of hot dudes, lots of abs. But <laughs> my God. And all these guys are had to be ten thousand abs. All the abs in the world is in these these, mm-hmm. these guys. Um what do you what are we thinking about them for? Is it is it okay to classify them as all like co- co- collectively the dance troupe one character, or do you want to keep them as thirteen separate dudes? Or ten I or think legitimately as if you look at them as one collective character, I think it's a better way to to use them because none of them really have real impactful lines even i mean they all have their own individual time where they get to showcase their dancing talent which is fine by me because it actually some of it is very cool um so i'm okay with i'm okay with having each one of them get to be featured for a minute or two but as characters i think they're they're all generically the same right I think so. I mean, they didn't do a lot to differentiate them, if that's what you mean. No. They didn't make any... Like, there's... One of them isn't someone that we know as an actor, and he was the one that stood out to us. Mm-hmm. So, although I thought for a minute Nick Jonas was one of them, because one of them looks a lot <laughs> like Nick Jonas. <laughs> a lot of them are very handsome, like our boy Nick Jonas. Yeah. Said, Friend well, of the show, Nick <laughs> Jonas. <laughs> Friend of the show, Nick Jonas, indeed. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, I thought one of them was... That's a throwback oh. to some old YouTube videos, by the way, folks. <laughs> Take a look at that. Those are actually pretty... The, the, the Nick Jonas ones are actually pretty funny. But uh, I thought Roger's really going to love this if that is Nick Jonas. But it's not Nick, Nick Jonas, so... Um, I don't know if you saw he he has a big trailer though coming coming up. I don't know if you saw that Nick Jonas trailer, but the no. the him and it's a it's a rom com, uh, but it's yeah of he's gonna be in that too. Is. Yeah, but I mean yay. Um, so uh, that's just I like the dance troupe because they're there and they're fun to look at. Like and and they look. I mean as as much as I want to say like I can do that, there's just no way I can do that. So um, 
Oh. As far as no, like they're a, extremely skilled in dancing. <laughs> as far as like escapism and film goes, like I mean, even that's for me is like I just appreciate seeing guys that can do that because I can't do it. Um, I can get all the training in the world in ten years, I probably still couldn't do it. So again, it's kind of escapism for a lot of people that still hooks people into watching this. And I, I, I noticed the box office wasn't really great for what this movie might do, but I bet you when this goes on streaming, this is gonna get this is gonna have a very a very like plateau field of like it's it's going to be high and then kind of remain constantly high for like seven months of viewing and that's kind of what i think they're going for on this one but maybe yeah, i'm very I could serviceable be, movie i could be very wrong about that I, I think it's more than serviceable and i have my arguments but i could be wrong about the streaming uh, viability for the length of time but i think it'll be one of those things but yeah uh so mike and max talk about them for one second chemistry yes or no Mm, not as much as i would have thought personally well let's talk about the two scenes i want to talk about then is let's talk about the opening well not the opening opening but like a few minutes in the dance the very the very sexual very erotic dance he's doing with selma high which looks to me like it instead of being one song, which we get, it looks to go over like the course of like two hours because it's light outside and then it's dark. <laughs> so that doesn't just happen over the course of one three minute song. I'm just saying. So no, well, how no. did you, how did you take that? I mean, it, it's strong. Let me ask. Somebody, so how did your wife enjoy that? Yeah. I mean, she thought it was cool. <laughs> sexy. Yeah, okay. I'm, 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 I'm I mean, listen, it, that's words. what it's, it's meant to be. It's sexy. Of course, it's meant to be. It's meant to, you know, it's meant to be very hot and bothering to people. It, that's why you. That's the hook to get people to come pay for this movie. Is mm-hmm. of course you're gonna, you know, that's the thing. Is I just I'm wondering. I I mean, it was very. There were a couple of times I thought it was bordering on. There's no way this could be rated R anymore. It's got to be rated more than that. But I don't. I think I was just you know caught in the moment. But um, it is very sexual. It's very kind of erotic in a way. But it's also. Okay. And the second thing I want to, the second also scene I want to talk about is the scene with the ballerina, which he is reenacting in his own mind. Like he has set the scene up and choreographed it and blocked it a certain way to, and we're seeing images. We're seeing him and the ballerina on stage in the water. It's very stylistic. It's it's actually awesome to watch this thing. Yeah. But it's you know it it looks twelve hours like, it took him to choreograph that. <laughs> And and rehearse it and dance it and which is impossible of course like literally no impossible because you can never account for the rain and no, I guarantee you he dropped her a hundred times oh I'm I'm sure that that took you know the better part of a week to shoot I have no doubt so it's and it's that scene he's reenacting in his but with with his own memory of how certain uh, run-ins with Max went Selma Hayek's character and see that's kind of the movie magic that I think people underestimate quite a bit that I kind of always pick up on is because that is kind of where the movie was to me. It's like in that, that moment, like that's the, that's the power of the movie right there is seeing what it was able to have Mike do and reenact, but also seeing that kind of the passion that was there in a Mm -hmm. way to me almost, I mean, I just thought it was awesome. Maybe I'm the minority here because like I'm a guy and I probably shouldn't feel like that watching it, but I did kind of pick up on that, that raw sexual energy that they had, especially even through flashback. Oh no, it's very passionate. Okay. Well, that's, that's what I'm wanting to ask you is, did you feel the passionate nature of that stuff 
or was it just me because I'm an emotional romantic person? No, I mean, it's definitely there. I mean, they build it into the story. Like, listen, part of the, the Magic Mike mystique is the dancing and the, you know, the lap dancing style. I mean, so there's a lot of passion, a lot of sexual energy that radiates through it. And even as a dude, you can understand that. I mean, definitely you can tell that he's good at what he does. And, you know, especially in the ballerina scene here, you know, she seems to be just as intense as he does. And I think that that's very cool, too. I agree. I, I very much agree. And it's Selma Hayek. How old do you think her character Max is in this? I suppose she's supposed to be in her mid 40s. Another movie we watched, I don't think too long ago, maybe a year and a half, two years ago now, somewhere in that was um, the hitman's wife's bodyguard. Or Selma Hayek, is, I mean, she's she's approaching sixty, isn't she? Like she's somewhere. She's fifty six. She's she's fifty six. So let's just say she's fifty four, fifty fifty three, fifty four. Time they're filming the the hitman's wife's bodyguard, and she was <laughs> has the famous line of, "If you don't go out there right now, I'm gonna fuck you till your nightmares, till your dreams become nightmares." <laughs> yeah, that's true. That does <laughs> to, happen. To ride right, right, a, a hilarious moment, but she's playing a first time mother in that movie. Like a young first time mother. That's that's the role she's playing in that movie is a woman who's about to have her first kid with Samuel Jackson. Both people yeah. well above their fifties. So yeah. Channing Tatum, what, looks forty in this movie? I mean, he I, I gotta be honest, some of those shots, he definitely looked a little aged. Unless well, he's he looking bad. a little older than he did, you know. Yeah. However many well, how long ago was Magic Mike? Well, Magic Mike, I think it was twenty twenty fourteen. Yeah, so call it ten years ago since it yeah. was filmed. Sure, sure, that's that makes sense. But so is I mean I, I kind of thought it was weird, but maybe I'm in the I'm I'm, I'm asking because like when the producer is thinking about casting, like that's also what they're thinking about is what's the on what's the on screen perceived chemistry, and then what's like the chemistry that we actually have on camera. Like there's two different kind of chemistries that you gotta sell people on, and that was I don't know. I just don't see Selma Hayek as a young woman anymore. No, because she's not. I don't think you're supposed to see her as a young woman in this movie. I really don't. Oh, okay. Well, interesting. Well, no, I don't think she's supposed to see her as young, but I don't I don't think you're supposed to see her as a mid-40s either. I think you're supposed to see her as kind of 50s or higher than that. See, I don't I don't know, man. I, I didn't get that vibe from her. Okay. Also, fair. she still looks incredible for oh, 56, yeah. by the way. Absolutely. And I'm sure there's several <laughs> I'm sure there's several guys out there who that's their hall pass. Yeah, so I'm sure there's several guys out there that still appreciate the uh the the uh, aesthetic stylings of Selma Hayek, absolutely. <laughs> I don't think you're gonna have anyone argue with that, but no, probably not. Uh, overall, I, I I did like this movie, and I don't. It, it, it's hard to be overly critical on a movie like this when it's not meant to be. So, okay, okay. Here here's a crazy question I had: is this movie to me does not take itself ser- like too seriously? It knows what no, it, it is. doesn't. It does not, and I think that's a plus. Especially, you know, with all the chemistry between, you know, Max, uh, Mike, the daughter, the butler, it's all kind of fake in a way that they all kind of know, the characters all kind of know what they're going to say before they say it so they can react and respond quippy. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, sure. there, there's that kind of element of fake too that eh, they, they're well aware that this is a written thing and the characters are well aware of what the movie they're in. It, it just, it's just one of those things that like the movie is self-aware, but I think the more important takeaway is it doesn't take itself too seriously, which a lot of movies do and it, and they shouldn't <laughs> Netflix. I'm talking to you. <laughs> uh, and right. it's, that, that I think is a positive in, in this case. You know, it's not always a positive for some movies, but for this one, I think 
the fact that it knows it's a it's a lighthearted thing meant to I mean, they want women in the audience sitting in the chairs to be like the women that were in the theater watching it. They want them to be cheering, waving their arms and thinking about what they're going to do later to that night with the person they came to the movie with. You know, it's just, yeah, they, that's what they want you to be thinking about, of course. And they want word of mouth to get around. I mean, they want this to be like a erotica novel that, you know, someone reads and they say to their friends, oh, you got to check this out. It worked. You know, it's just one of those things. So, yeah, I, I really don't see any reason to really look too hard at this. I don't think Soderbergh wants you to. I, I, I don't think he cares if you do, but I don't, I also no. don't think he wants you to anyway. So that's just me, though. I don't know if you have anything before we move into wrapping it up that you want to say about the no, I think, uh, nature of the film. Know, I think we've talked enough about uh, Magical Michael. Do you think there's another one in the tank, or this is definitely it? So I think this is probably it. However, I wouldn't be surprised if there was another one a couple more years from now. That's all. I mean, they'd have to bring Chang Tatum back, obviously. They'd have to bring Matthew McConaughey back. Um, and I could even see them bringing back like a couple other aging male stars that you know are no longer young. But I, sure. I, I, don't know. I could see having a good time with another one of these. Just you know, just putting on a silly little movie for people. I, I mean, I, I could see it. I, I, always, I thought it was weird that McConaughey didn't come back for the second one, given how successful the first one was, but mm-hmm. I thought it was a weird, probably a good choice for him, but not a good choice for the movie because Channing Tatum is Channing Tatum, but he has proven me wrong in that, excuse me, in that respect that he's, you know, incapable of doing it by himself. He's proved me wrong now, and I'm, and I'm happy that he has because I, I like Channing Tatum. In the right role, I think he's very effective. <clears throat> I, I also think those... 21 Jump Street and 22 Jump Street are some of the funniest movies I've seen in a very long time. Yeah, 2021 Jump Street, I think, is a fucking comedy masterpiece. I think so. And it's hilarious. And yeah, I really do think that's a very strong comp. But you know who wrote that one? Who's that? Didn't Phil Lord write that? He did. Phil Lord. And who's the other guy that wrote Into the Spider-Verse? Chris Miller. Chris Miller and Phil Lord wrote that one. So, that, I mean, look, they know what they're doing. Those two... You can write anything they want. It's always a goddamn masterpiece. So as far as I'm concerned, those two can do absolutely no wrong. So that's that's for me. But as far as Tatum, Chang Tatum goes, he did have – there was a couple of years when he was – you remember he had like Jupiter Ascending. The movie, that movie with The movie with Mila Kunis, which wasn't received well either financially nope. or box office or critically. Um, it just didn't he – had, he had a couple of years where he was really trying to be like a Vin Diesel type. And I think he realized that that's just not his thing. He needs to stay away from that. So and no, I'm but he could he be has. doing better work than what he's doing. Sometimes, give me more movies like Dog. Well, more movies that force him to that force him to look inward instead of rely on other people for a performance. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I can see that. But all right, let's move into scoring then. And, okay. um You want to go first? Or you want me to go? No, I'll go first. And all right, because I'm kind of riding high on my uh, magical Michael, uh, the third energy here is. I'm going to give this a six and a half. I, I really enjoyed Ooh, this movie. Right. And I think, I think the average person would really enjoy it too. It's a tough one to, I think it's, you know, if you watch this and if you want with open mind, you're going to walk out smiling <laughs> for one, for one reason or another, you're going to walk out smiling. <laughs> so I, but I, I really, I had a good time with this one and I think it, you know, it right. It's probably not, it's probably somewhere in the five to six range, but you know, I just thought it'd be generous to give it a 6.6. <laughs> 
6.6 is not a number you're allowed sorry, to give it. It's 6. Sorry, 6.5. 6, 6. 6. Sorry, 6.5. <laughs> we don't. We no longer go that far down to the decimal scale. So, no, I think this movie is like a 5.5, uh, honestly. It's just above average for me. And I think part of that is is it's it, I, it's unfair to this movie, but I have to, to judge it against it. It's not as good as the other two Magic Mike movies to me. Um, like I said, the first one is really good. The second one and this one are probably really close together. The other one's probably, to me, like a 6. Um, where the original Magic Mike's like an eight and a half, man, for real. Um, this movie's okay. I, I like to see the Mike Lane character back one more time. Um, I like the story that they have. You know, it's more about dancing than it is about stripping. So that's a different take on it. But overall, this movie's a five and a half. Yeah, I agree. I mean, we're not, I mean, I guess a whole point off, but I mean, same ballpark. But I really did enjoy this one. And I, I, I think if you, you listener, as if you go out and check it, check it out, uh, you will be happy you did. I, I don't think you're going to be angry that you spent your money on Magical Michael the Third, or as it's you know should be known as Magical Mike Last Dance. <laughs> but uh, Roger has hijacked that name and made it yes. his own. So yes, all right, Roger. Thank you for joining me this evening, sir. We have done another episode. This has been episode 318 of For the Love of Cinema, a movie podcast. A movie. Uh, sorry, each new episode posts every Tuesday morning. And Friday morning at 5 a.m. on the podcast service of your choice of the following five. Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music. Please leave a comment or two. Rate, subscribe. Every little bit helps. More importantly, thank you very much for listening. Check out the show at Twitter, at Love Cinema Pod. I am at Grayson Maxwell 1. I am at Raj Stillian. Don't forget to check us out on Facebook. Always posting things on social media. Always posting nice news stories for you to follow for the big upcoming movies. And next week... We're going to be taking a look at Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, and from Apple TV Plus, Sharper. Sharper.